and divorce conversations where we analyze, navigate, and troubleshoot all stages of your romantic life. I'm your host, Igor Meisterman, a divorce attorney turned relationship coach. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another exciting episode. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that comes up so frequently in couple dynamics. It's a topic that in many ways is painful, but in a unique way. And the reason I say that is because it's something that flies almost under the radar of the relationship dynamic, something that receives very little attention, focus, and energy from the couple and almost makes it seem like it's benign. It's not even there. And yet it's very present and plays and takes a very heavy toll on both spouses. And the name I gave it is, do you live with me or your perception? Of me. Now, before we take a deep dive and closer look at this concept, um, I do want to make a small introduction. I realize that we live very busy lives. In many ways, as much as technology has put it within our reach, so much information, so much data, right? I simply can go on Google and write a search term to gather information. I don't have to take a trip down to the library. I don't have to flip through big books to search for things. I could just flip up the screen on my phone or a laptop, go into Google and search for what I need. And so in many ways, the world has come to my fingertips. And yet, so many things are so far away, particularly in the realm of human connection, a real meaningful connection. And what winds up happening is as follows. I wake up in the morning, I prep for my day. For some people, that's hitting the gym. For some people, that's running to Starbucks to grab a cup of coffee. For some people, it's to attend a prayer service. But whatever it may be, it will begin your day and then we'll be off to usually a commute that will swallow up a significant part of my life, 30 minutes to an hour each way. I would say that's pretty significant. That's 10 hours a week. And then I'll come home. I'll spend a few minutes with my children, with my spouse, and then whatever remaining fumes of energy that are left in me wind up being the only energy that's dedicated to my romantic relationship. And yet, that is precisely where our deepest desires and passions in our lives are craving experience and expression. That is precisely where we are seeking the most meaningful connection. And yet, we go to work, we come home, and we pat ourselves on the back and we say, job well done. You earned a living for your family. You've earned luxury for your family. And we give ourselves these invisible pats on our back, almost as if to say to ourselves, you're doing good, and therefore the relationship is doing good. The problem is there isn't waiting, there isn't pausing to make space to hear what the relationship might respond back. And perhaps the, the response might be surprising and not in a good way. And so I'd like to take a closer look and see what our lives really like and what our lives really like for our spouses. You know, those people who also walk around the house, occupying same space we do, but those people for whom we leave very little energy and very little curiosity as to what life is like in their world. What would it be like to walk in the shoes of my spouse? And as I frequently like to do, I want to lean a little bit on the Jewish sources because here I feel they're so apropos and will really accent the point that I want to make. See, the word knowledge in English could be just limited to information you gather. But in, in the Hebrew language, there are actually three words for knowledge. And each one of them actually carries a different meaning. In Hebrew, there's a word called chachma, which means 
wisdom, but it really means information gathering, right? It's like imagine you're opening a textbook and you wanted to learn a little bit of chemistry or math. When you're doing that, what's happening is you're processing data. You're taking in information. And that is one level of knowledge and intelligence. Then there's another level called Bina, which is basically intuitive knowledge. It's when we're able to distinguish between different pieces of information. It's not just the journey of taking in data like a sponge and just processing information. It's also discerning, figuring out what do I keep? What do I discard? What data, what, what piece of data is valuable and which information is not so worthwhile and therefore could be gotten rid of. And finally, the third level of knowledge is something called DAS, integrated wisdom, integrated knowledge. It's when I combine my faculty of intelligence gathering information together with my intuitive knowledge, my emotional intelligence and intuition. And when these two forces come together, what person can acquire is this highest level of integrated knowledge. And when we operate from that place, a place of integrated knowledge, what we're actually doing is we're not just probing for data and we're not just trying to experience emotionally and intuitively the phenomenon that's happening around us. What we're attempting to do is actually something even deeper, and that is to experience connection to the information that I am surrounded by. So I'm not just gathering that information, I want to connect to it. And interestingly enough, in the Torah, in the Old Testament, when there's a discussion of a romantic relationship and specifically of actual physical intimacy, the Torah chooses to use the word das integrated knowledge, connection. It doesn't describe it as knowledge gathering, and it doesn't describe it as intuitive emotional experience. It describes it as experience of connection. And therefore, if you actually look at the verses, you will see that the Torah says, Adam knew Eve. It didn't say that he was physical with Eve. It doesn't say he experienced physical intimacy. It actually describes that act of physical intimacy as he knew her. And when the story continues and it discusses the relationship between Isaac and Rivka, it says that Isaac knew Rivka. It didn't say that he had intimacy with her, even though that's clearly understood from all the sources that we have describing why do the verses in the Torah have to say these phrases, interesting enigmatic phrases. And when we come to this deeper place of understanding, we can then see that because for them, physical intimacy wasn't about reducing oneself to a state of being an animal and simply reproducing, simply trying to fulfill the surface command of being fruitful and multiplying. It meant to experience deep connection and from that deep connection to create the next life and in some ways perhaps touch within ourselves the divine, the ultimate divine of creating another life. And that is what is driving the essence of a human being. We all walk around all day unintentionally and very often subconsciously suppressing this drive, this urge. And I will prove it to you because so many times, I can't tell you how many times in my office working with couples, the conversation eventually, when enough safety is established, turns on the topic of, you don't understand me. I don't feel like you really understand me. I don't experience you as if you really get it, what it's like to be me what my life is like. That is such a common ongoing theme. And the question that I always wonder to myself is, where is this coming from? 
Why do you want to be understood so deeply? Why do you have this need to experience the sensation of, wow, my spouse really gets me. I feel such a relief. My spouse really understands what I'm going through. And why is it so soothing and comforting to experience that mindset, that awareness? Why do I need that awareness that you really get me? And in light of everything we just discussed, it should now make sense because that is how we are wired. In our essence, we are relational being. We were meant to live on an island and be alone in solitude. That is not the journey of a human being. Our ultimate desire and craving is to experience connection, deep connection, vulnerable connection. And that only could happen in the context of a romantic relationship. It's not something we could experience with our friends. It's not something we could experience with our mentors. It only takes place within the context of romantic relationship, because that is the place where we're the most vulnerable, we're the most exposed, and therefore we feel this deep urge. It's almost activated as a result of experiencing a romantic relationship. And what comes to life is this craving to be close. And so when I take care of all the chores at home, and even though you're doing amazing at work, but when you come home and you don't acknowledge the work I've put in at home, I feel alone. I feel isolated. I feel rejected. And when I experience myself from that place, I don't want to give to you. I don't want to be intimate with you. I don't want to connect with you because you've only made me experience myself from a place of isolation and rejection. And by the way, vice versa. If there's a spouse who's working and the spouse is putting in all this effort and I come home and you aren't able to carve out space and time during which you acknowledge my efforts, you let me feel valuable and worthwhile in our relationship, then what I experience is disconnect, worthlessness, not valued. And so ultimately, what do I want to do? I want to just disconnect, go into my own cave or worse, I want to find a place I could experience some level of connection. So I might run to my friends. I might run to alcohol or some other bad habit, but I need to find some way to validate my existence because I wasn't receiving it from you. Now, some of you may be wondering, well, Igor, you're describing some sort of a really needy state of existence. Almost strikes me as unhealthy, no? I know people wonder about this all the time. And I direct you to listen to a previous podcast that talks about where's that fine line between I'm just needy in this unhealthy way, this heavy weighing down on the world around me way. I need, I need you to approve me. That is not what we're talking about. That's a very unhealthy way of being. What we're talking about now is I want to experience connection. And part of that experience to take place, I need to feel like you really understand me, or at least you're very sincerely trying to reach into my world and have a handle on and a sense of what it's like to be me. And therefore, the journey of real intimacy from which the deepest physical connections flow, emotions connections flow, begin with coming to a realization, how much do I really understand and how much do I really know the world of my spouse? And if I can go on that journey and set for myself intentionality, for those of you who are really looking for practical tools and advice, reconsider the way you phrase your inquiries when you talk to your spouse. Dr. Gabor Tabe has this great line called compassionate inquiry. Make a compassionate inquiry. Don't say, well, how was your day today? Well, you want to know what my day was like? You want to compare notes? You have no idea what my day was like. Boy, if we would compare days, you would see who got it worse. That is not something that's ever going to bring closeness. What that will do is cause both people to only feel rejected, unwelcomed. The stories we tell ourselves is there is no safe space where I could be me 
where I could be valued, and instead consider showing up from a place of compassionate inquiry. Can you tell me what was your day like? What was it like to be you today? And do not be surprised if the spouse says, wow, you really want to know? And the answer should, of course, be resounding. Yes, please share with me. Could you? Could you please share with me? What was it like to be you? What was it like to wait on the line for an hour just to buy some things that you wanted to do to please me, to make our family happy? And can you tell me, what was it like for you to sit in that office meeting and listen to other people and follow up with more and more compassion inquiries? And when you hear an answer, mirror and say, am I getting you? Is this what it's like to be you? We're so busy just moving and pushing things along and getting to the next destination. There's never time to just be present with our spouses and work on removing all the perceptions of what I might have and think that I really know you and instead replace those with a genuine journey into the world of our spouses by beginning it with asking, can you please tell me what is it like to be you? Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us today. For questions, comments, topics you'd like to hear more about, or to try our 24-week relationship challenge, email us at relationshipreimagined at gmail.com.